This is TDPS. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And this is what we're doing. I always I like to just, talk about what we're doing. Okay. What? what go you, what's just going go, on? No, no, you should, you're right. We should actually intro what we're actually doing. Absolutely. Because the only thing that's important about this hour is that we ID the show and remind you to buy our books. <laughs> Please buy our books. Please buy our books. Um this is True Crime Movie Time Summer Film Festival. He got it on the first try this time. We're so proud. It only took you a month, and now it's over. <laughs> no, it's not. We're doing more. Mo- we're doing like three more months of it. We're going to different regions of the country. Remember, this is just California screaming. Month. Oh, I see. We're going to do, and we're not announcing the order yet. We're going to do Midwest Mayhem, East Coast Carnage, Pacific Northwest Nightmares, and Southern Sins. So next it's Midwest Mayhem? I mean, we could be, or it could be one of the other ones. We haven't had our production meeting yet. We'll have to figure it out. <laughs> but each one will be a set of pairings. We'll do a true crime movie time and a true crime TV club. So the summer movie festival is just getting started, kids. In fact, it's still spring. And the, they will all be connected to the same case. That's what a pairing is. So, yeah, it's very exciting. So this was California Screaming, so we did the Zodiac Killing Case. And we're now doing the Hillside Stranglers, and this is the movie time that we did for it. And I just want to say something up front. If you didn't watch the case of the Hillside Stranglers, streamable on Paramount+. Plus, Congratulations. Um, congratulations. <laughs> and if you did— and, and you're a young person. And you're a young person. I just want to say you should be—this is what TV used to be. Right. When you get all ungrateful about yes. there's nothing to watch on streaming appointment television— just watch this movie again and remind yourself of what TV used to be like. Because I will tell you, when I went looking for something on the Hillside Stranglers, there wasn't much, which we talked about some on our right. last episode. Um, this got some good reviews. And what I realized is the reviews were um, appropriate to the other offerings on TV in 1989 right. when it came to this subject. True crime in particular. This was a better version of most of what we were able to watch during that period. Oh, yeah. But it was really— And that's really true, but that doesn't make it a great show. It was—it is what it is, and it was very much possessed of the the time period, but, oh, my God. Like, that opening—like, I started last week talking about how the—well— yeah, we were talking about the the Donnie Wahlberg thing. The, yes, the the very scary people. Right. Whoa, scary <laughs> the, people. The, not so scary people. Um, yeah. They all of the pictures, all of these aerial photography pictures that they had of the city were of Century City and West Hollywood and downtown. Mm-hmm. None of them were of Glendale, which is where all of this took place. Yeah. Totally. And where it was based and everything else. And then... And then we went to the... the opening title sequence of this was nothing was but... Century City. But downtown and Century City, and they're not close together, no. so... And, and they the, have nothing to do with this crime. And the music was like a five-year-old banging on a Casio keyboard, but that's just a side note. But yeah, it was the most fractured, weird view of Los Angeles that didn't make any sense. But that's and, always the view. The, the thing that's tricky about Los Angeles is there there is no there there. Like, it's not like... There was a river and every people landed there and then they started building the like no. LA is built all over different places. There are eighty-eight, I think even in maybe in this particular movie, it may have been in the um the um last week's mm-hmm. in, in very scary people. Los Angeles County is they said yes. eighty-eight different cities 
in this enormous county. Yes. It's the size of a lot of, of states. It's like 5,000 square miles. It's this huge place mm-hmm. um, that's all really Los Angeles. It's all you'd, You wouldn't know that you'd left the city. Right, absolutely. As you're driving along because it's all grown together. And so it's really very fractured and has a lot of different origin stories and a lot of different histories. And there is no real center. Downtown is sort of... They called it downtown, but they're, that's because they built it there. And Century City is as validly downtown as it is there, but they built Century City because Elizabeth Taylor's um, Cleopatra was running over budget and Fox had to raise money. And so they sold half of their back lot. The other half of Century City is um, the back lot at, at, at Fox Studios. There's another reason that Century City is the way that it is. And this is like, I want to... But it's not really a downtown. It's not really a downtown, but it is often referred to as the Jewish downtown because it was a place where a lot of Jewish business leaders who were blackballed for anti-Semitic reasons from the downtown business community went to do business. They went west. It's towards the ocean. It's closer to the coast here. If you're looking at an accurate depiction of Los Angeles inland sort of out, you would see downtown in the foreground, a really long, flat expanse of not very much, which is very urban and developed, but it's not got a lot of high rises. And then Century City on the near horizon. And then a little ways beyond that, you have the coast, you have Santa Monica, all that sort of stuff. And West Hollywood, where we are, falls in between downtown and Century City. But it's enormous. Like you're saying, it's just, it goes on forever and it it's, does not come across like a coherent metropolis. Right. You don't really have any sort of sense of this is really LA. So when they depict it in the movies, they just cobble together whatever seems interested. Like there is that that liquor store with the clown on the sign. You yes, know the one I'm talking that's about? That's like in the valley, yeah. And it is in every Los Angeles. No matter what part of Los Angeles they're talking yeah. about, it's in every – like it's in um, – Clueless, yes. which is it takes place in Beverly Hills. It's nowhere near Beverly Hills. Well, okay. I'm a Clueless stan, so let me defend. She's gone to a party way out in the valley and gotten thrown out of a car, and she makes a call up for a rescue from the front of the- So in the Clueless world, it's supposed to represent middle of nowhere San Fernando Valley. Right. So, and which is what it is, And accurately. then there's that- um, that uh, diner down on Wilshire that right. isn't even open anymore that's in everything. Like, it's in Shortcuts, it's in mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction, it's in everything, and it's not even really a restaurant anymore. It's just a movie set, right. movie location, and it's on Wilshire Boulevard. It's nowhere, it's no. none of the places it's ever depicted as being. there. There's a whole sense of car chases through Los Angeles are shot all over town, and then they just clue them. So if you're from here, you'll be watching somebody, they're driving down yes. a, a street in Santa Monica, and they turn right, and they're going through that tunnel downtown. Right, that tunnel, I was going to say, they, right. Em, they emerge from that tunnel in Pasadena and take a left, and, <laughs> and they're they're headed down Rodeo Drive in Beverly right, Hills, and then right. they take a right, and they're, you know what I mean? Like, it's right. just, it's, they're, they're in San, uh, what's... They're in Long Beach. What's Long the other? Beach. Oh, Sin, yeah. What's the other one where the the um, the um Spruce Goose is and the... I was oh, San God. Mateen, there's San, so many sands. Like San, it's, this, it's where he jumped off the bridge. It's the... Um, San Pedro. San Pedro. Yeah, yeah. San Pedro. Sorry. Oh, God. Of course, that's how I knew it. I know. True crime junkies that we are. Horrible. San Pedro. Yeah, no, it's... it's uh, and it's, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't a crime, but still. Yeah, totally. Well, there's some theories about that. But anyway, the, for a future episode. Different episode. Um, so anyway, so they open this thing with this sort of smash shot... A mashup collage picture of all of the areas of Los Angeles where the crime did not take place. Right. And then we focus right in on nobody who has anything to do with the crime. <laughs> Just okay. Because a this is going to be a show about how the detective on this case got a girlfriend. Exactly. And that's I what w- this movie is about. I was sitting on my sofa, literally, I went, who? cares. I screamed. It was all about Richard Crenna's character meeting this woman who was almost a victim and sort of, I can't, what was her fucking connection even? I think she was totally made up. She, she, no, you didn't watch the things at the end? There are things at the end? I don't know if I had things the little, at the end. The little things where they said where, who got convicted and who went to yeah, jail. Yeah, I saw you, that and I didn't believe that. They that said, still oh, they together. stayed together. I, I was like, this is made up. This is I, when TV was all bullshit. I think that it, I think they really were a couple. I just, it's, okay. it is, it's, but it's, this, this movie is about the detective who is not mentioned in 
anything else about this crime. I right. was like, it's as valid as anything else, but it is very much a movie about the detective and about him not being able to bond with his children, breaking up his marriage because he's spending too much time on homicides. Where Does that sound familiar? Does that mm-hmm. sound like the... The, uh, the David Venture film, so it's not, you know, that far. But the handling of it is... Like, oh, completely different. Yeah, um, like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and then about meeting the woman who totally gets him. Yeah. Who came in to report the crime, even though it didn't happen to her, and she was wrong. Yeah, she was wrong. Right, she gets... But that's it. Because she gets, it was yeah. some just some vice cops looking to, you know, like, scare up some skirt. Like, uh. what? <laughs> That's what like, they reveal. This, that would be an entire series now. Like right. Corruption in the LAPD. They're going out, vice cops go out she and comes try and out, have sex this is with strange women if on you the street. D- oh, my God. If you didn't listen to our last episode, the Hillside Stranglers were two complete psychopaths who used fake badges to pre- and pretended to be policemen to abduct women, torture, and murder them. And, and this, we'll get to them, but this movie really doesn't. This so. became sort of common knowledge. And it got out there, and the cops were even saying to women, if you get pulled over by a cop, you can drive to a well-lighted area and not pull over until you're comfortable doing it because everybody knew this was happening. So this woman comes in to say she had this treatment at the hands of these— In fact, they actually show us show her having this treatment. And right. It was kind of a scary moment because I thought, oh, wow, we're really—it's going to happen now. They're going to abduct a woman, like, right in right, front of us. Yeah. And then— no. And then later in the show, they're like, you know how you thought that one? It's just these guys. And they bring in these two vice cops and they look crestfallen. Wah, wah, and wah. that's it. They do sad trombone and then that's the end and of it. And they never deal with them again. And then yeah. he goes, starts dating her because that's what you do with a, suspect, a witness, a potential witness yeah. in a murder investigation is you take her out for drinks. Okay. So Kenneth Bianchi, who is one of the Hillside Stranglers, is played by a very young Billy Zane. With all his hair. And here's another message I have for the young people out there among our party people. If Billy Zane can survive this mustache and this wig, you can survive anything. Right. Because, I mean, he goes on to have quite a career after this. He was a young pup. This is 1989. And I don't know. When was Titanic? Titanic was 1994, I think. or No, it was later. It was 97. So So you had to wait three to four years. (laughs) A break that would nobody could fuck up. <laughs> but that mustache and that wig yeah. could have done in a lot of it was, actors. It was really bad. He also was in Phantom, right? Mm-hmm. Which could also could have been career ending, but yeah. it wasn't. And yeah, he's managed to, you know, sort of stay afloat all these years. Okay, are we actually going to walk people through this movie, or should well, we take I'm, the thirty thousand foot view? Because I think that I think that it is, you know, like. In terms of the the crime itself, yeah. like this movie is about Richard Crenna's the detective getting a girlfriend. That's really what this movie yeah. is about. And incidentally, he investigates the crime. My favorite was when she tried to insert herself into the investigation. We'll get to that in oh, sequence. God, yeah. But I think we should talk about the movie in terms of the crime because that's actually what we're the the point of true crime movie crime pairings is that. We compare the movie to a true crime report of the crime to see how much how much accuracy, how much verisimilitude mm-hmm. made it to the screen. And I think there was a fair amount, although it was really odd stuff and oddly assembled. It mm-hmm. was some interesting choices, like the sequence where he pretends to be a psychologist is in, actually in here, which is... It also pointed out to me the problem with making this movie is... Like, okay, so we're going to depict these guys? Yeah. Because we know who they are. Mm -hmm. It's not like some investigation. There wasn't much of one because they were such dipshits about being criminals. Um, But they had to put to... They had to put together something to show of who these guys were and what they were up to. So they give us sort of a behind-the-scenes look at these two Mm -hmm. psychopathic fuck-ups. Yeah. Um, getting together and doing these crimes and whatever. And so I think that's part of what this movie suffers from. I think they had to do the Richard Crenna thing because otherwise it would have been all the behind-the-scenes look at these two horrible people. You know what I well, mean? Well, they did the Richard Crenna thing and they turned it into a romance as opposed to the cops struggling to solve it and drinking together. And there's not as much of that. It was a TV movie. Yeah, it was a TV. And this is what TV movies were, as we pointed out earlier back then. This it is, was not yeah. like they could do this hard-hitting, right. really graphic, So brutal. what are you saying is they, they shouldn't have done a TV movie at all, you think? Or this was the I'm only just way? saying this was the best they could do yeah. 
given the story that they were covering right. and the moment and the medium in which they were covering it. Like yeah. 1989 would not have offered them a lot of options in terms of what they could do on broadcast television. Yeah. You know, this would have come on at 8 o'clock in everybody's living room. So you have to do something that's going to be, or maybe nine, mm-hmm. um, you had to do something that is really going to be competitive, you know, be comparable to watching Hill Street Blues. Yes, which was pushing it in its day. Hill right. Street Blues was hugely controversial. Really at the edge. Or yeah. um, NYPD um, Blue, is that the Blue, one? Blue, I think what? that was later, right? That was the early the 90s. Shields. What was yeah. the one where Dennis Franz's butt kept showing up? That was, was that? NYPD yeah, Blue. That's yeah. really, that was as wide, that was really, showing Dennis Franz's butt in the shower was really yeah. wild, out there, insane. Mm-hmm. Like, that was as crazy as it got back in the, sort of the time period. That was even later than this, I, but still. And I'll tell you, if you go back to the beginning of HBO and look at some of their made-for-HBO movies, the quality is not that much better. The content is maybe more permissive, but the quality is still... There's yeah. a sense that there's a, there were... The divisions between the visual mediums of film and TV is what, what, what came down to the TVs that people owned. Yes. And the TVs at the time were not very big. They weren't flat screen. They weren't... Big and screen the, the TVs were was really rare. So you had to make close-up driven, stagey stuff. You couldn't go wide, and you know? You, and the, the budgets of these movies were what they spend on a, an episode of a lot of the television we watch now. So it was also not a big money extravaganza. There was clearly not a lot of money available to make this movie. Hi, I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and everyone here at TDPS would like to congratulate my co-host and best friend, Christopher Rice, also known as steamy romance author C. Travis Rice, on the publication of Sapphire Storm, the third novel in his Sapphire Cove series. Sapphire Storm is the drama-filled tale of a forbidden romance that exposes old secrets and incurs the wrath of the powerful and the famous. It went on sale March 7th, along with the first two entries in the series, Sapphire Sunset and Sapphire Spring, it's available wherever ebooks are sold. Congratulations, C. Travis Rice, and congratulations, Christopher. So having talked about all of that, we then look at how the facts of the crime, which we talked about last week in great right. detail, are put through the ringer of this TV movie construction, and they just... I thought they just made flat-out changes. Well, they kind of started with the art student. Right. And Billy Zane going to her door, something we know is what actually happened. Billy Zane is playing the Ken Bianchi character, Mm -hmm. and he goes and knocks on her doors, and he says, Hi, remember me? I'm your old neighbor. And she's like, oh, yeah, she doesn't take the chain off. And he shows her the badge. And he says, I'm like a citizen reserve or something with the police department. And I was coming by, and I just saw... Your car outside, it was that Volkswagen, right? Which he knew was her car. Mm-hmm. Something's happened to it. And you should come and, come and check it out. And so she leaves with him and then they find her dead. You right. Know what I mean, mean like, boom. Cut like, to, yeah. They really went straight to that because the depiction, because the murder was so brutal, they couldn't depict that on television at this point. So they, they did the setup. They did the things that we know happened. And so it's clear right from the start of introducing those characters that they are the criminals. Right. We meet him. We meet Dennis Farina. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and and I'm I'm aware of the actor. I just wanted to be sure I got his name yeah. right. Well, we were talking about I'm, Dennis Franz's butt in the I previous uh, segment, names. so you probably got them confused. Uh, yeah, yeah, or it's just me. Right. Um, yeah. Um, they show. So we meet them, and then he goes in and gets her, and so they're the murderers. Right. Like yeah. there is no, there is never a moment of doubt. For us, we are just seeing these two parallel storylines develop. Richard Crenna is mm-hmm. getting a girlfriend, and they're getting girls a different way. Um, and so they they um, take her home, and then we a little more Richard Crenna, and then there's the the sequence with where they abduct the girl in her front yard. 
Right. Right, where outside of her father's door, and mm-hmm. they follow her home. And Let's talk about the neighbor, right? Because what they told us about the neighbor who reported having overheard something in the special last week was that the neighbor never reported it. And instead, what we have is a more protracted— the waited. Is that—but I don't—is that what they said last week? Because after they found her— right. She, the neighbor, then came forward and said, "Oh yeah, I saw this and that. I didn't do it at but the time because I didn't." They know They think she's lying or, or misremembering where she was standing at the time. They make is, a big deal out of why that does the, that become a big deal? I just don't care. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she becomes this pivotal witness, which she wasn't. Right. Um, of this amazing fact, she doesn't really have anything to offer other than she overheard an argument in the front yard of the house next door mm-hmm. they restaged the event it didn't take place in the car it took place in the yard outside her father's front door that's the the horrible part of that story right. yeah she says you won't get away with this and they take her away and the neighbor overhears it but doesn't think that much of it at the time and then after she turns up dead comes forward and says okay well there's a detail thing. there's a detail in the movie that nobody mentioned in the special we watched which is that allegedly the killers called the old woman and threatened her and said, if you ever say anything about what you saw, you're going to die. And she immediately calls, calls the police. And none of those things happen. That's a TV movie. That's right, exactly. completely fictionalized. Anyway, they show them taking that woman home. They literally are carrying her in the house mm-hmm. and going inside. And then they do the thing that I thought was the biggest departure because they had they drew the inference. Like, the thing that I think brought these men together to do these crimes together Mm -hmm. was this was a way that they could have sex with each other. Interesting. In the, in the TV movie, Mm -hmm. they bring her home. Dennis Franz throws her in the bedroom and says me first and slams the door. That is not how those crimes took place. Yeah. They did those women together. It was a way for those two men to have sex with each other, particularly the Dennis Farina care, the, the, the Bono, Right. To have sex with the younger, the hot younger man. Mm. So you, do you think their hatred of women was driven by their their hatred of their own sexuality? I have no idea, but yeah. you have to think that two men and a woman together having sex is at least in part about the two men having sex with each other. Interesting. Even if they're not touching each other, they're at least watching and getting off on the other one having sex mm-hmm. with in their presence, yeah. the, there is a sexual component to that, to that bond and to those characters, which to me, I thought none of this touched on, but I really thought that was a, a unaddressed element of their mm. sexuality. The, the when the guy goes, when I think it was more the case with Bono than with um, Ken. What was Ken's last Kenneth name? Bianchi. Bianchi's. Um, because Bianchi tries to do things on his own, mm-hmm. but there's no sense that there's a sexual... He does the two women, he kills the two women in Bellingham, but there's not the sense that there's a sexual component to that crime. Interesting. Interesting. There isn't. We don't. We, we weren't told whether or not there were, those two women were raped or there was sexual violence. I mean, yeah. if he raped them, it was probably after the fact because there would have been two of them and he was just one person, so he would have had to kill them pretty much in close succession or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how you would logistically how he would have raped one of them and then the other one and then killed them yeah. unless they were already bound or something. But even that yeah, would have yeah. had to have happened yeah, right. s- s- serially rather right. than yeah. simultaneously because he couldn't overpower them both at the same time no matter how big he was. Mm-hmm. He just, you only have two hands. And then the special does, uh, not the special, the movie does something that I thought was pretty unforgivable. So the most disturbing murders to me, they were all disturbing, but two of the most were the young, two young women, teenage girls who were abducted on their way home from the shopping mall in Eagle Rock, California. Oh, my God. And they were both Latina girls, and the special turns them into white girls. And really just in terms of showing their pictures. Yeah, shows their pictures, but shows pictures of two white girls, which is like, really? Like, why the fuck is that necessary? So, and, and Yolanda Washington's picture is shown, and she's shown as a black woman, and she's the sex worker. Yeah, and so beautiful. The yeah, black the actress woman they chose beautiful. was just yeah. gorgeous. Like, but yeah. that it was those kinds of choices that we look at now. That was reflexive back then. That kind of erasure was just reflexive. It was built into the system. And they were homely little girls too. Yeah. And these were, the I will say, the two young women as depicted in the in the, yeah. the true crime were. Really lovely 
Lovely, young women. Yeah, lovely looking young women, and that's probably but part of why they were young, targeted, and they were young. Very young women. Horrible, and horrible. And the, the point that the, the, the true crime special made that they kind of got to in this one, but not as much, was they hunted these women. These were their neighbors. Yeah. And so they would pursue them mm-hmm. and find a moment when they could get them alone or present themselves as these fake cops right. to try. But they were they were true to that. Yeah. Um, in the midst of all of this. And so they they began to depict elements of the story. Like As I said, they, they depicted, God, the sequence where they depict Billy Zane, Billy Zane's character, right. um, Ken, as doing his fake scam psychology thing mm-hmm. was kind of a riot. We came straight out of yeah. the... Um, oh, oh, almost spilled the tea. tea there. Oops, oops. It's a tricky moment. Um we came straight out of the police into a shot of the old L.A. hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what's going on here? And then suddenly we're apparently at the L.A. hospital where Billy Zane, and under his fake name, right, Ted McIntyre in this case, because we wouldn't want to say the other guy's name, because um, there's nobody named Ted McIntyre. Everybody's um, name was changed except for theirs. Just bizarre. Every, and maybe the cops. Everybody's name was changed. It's the opposite of Zodiac, which we talked about two episodes ago. Anyway, go ahead. So the he's having this, but they have a full-on session in the office. It, it was like comical. It yeah. was, his character really was comical. Like yeah. they played him for the comedy of it because he was a complete dip and they didn't, they didn't skimp on that. So um, we're getting to the point where Buono says to Bianchi, "You're too out of control. You got to leave this. You're bringing, you're bringing heat oh down." Oh my God! On us. When he did the ride along thing, yeah, he goes. But see, that's where they were playing with the timeline to make it be a TV movie. Like his application to the LAPD, I think that was before the killings began. I think they went back and looked and saw that there had been. Well, that was a long time ago, and so was the fake therapy thing you were talking about. But he didn't apply. That was a citizen thing. That he, that yeah. the way they depicted it, he wasn't him applying for the police. Uh, okay. He was being a citizen, and he had been chosen. To be, but we to know in reality he did apply to be a cop. Oh yeah, he and really did. They thought he was a creep and didn't let him pass. To go. But they never. But yeah. there is no sense that he ever did a ride along with the police. Yeah. But they wanted to give Dennis France some motivation for for throwing Dennis Farina. Dennis Farina. Dennis you got France. Dennis France butt in your head. It's never it's getting never out getting now. Out. You never... can't talk about two Dennis's per episode. It's a new rule. Just really, no totally two easy. Dennis's. And I've never seen Dennis France's butt because I didn't see that episode. Anyway, um. We're a one dentist podcast. That's We're a new a one policy. Dentist, yeah, it's yeah. a one dentist show. Um, so he, I, uh, oh, oh yeah, he Bueno says get get the hell out of get town. Get the hell out of they 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 were motivating yeah. him, uh, throwing him out of town. He didn't make the decision to go be with the woman who he had a child with, who just gets dropped Not out of in this here story. At all. No, no girlfriend, no child with a former girlfriend uh, in Bellingham, Washington. We just show him roll up into a gas station, dressed as a security guard. He sees an old co-worker of his, which we know is true. Her name has changed as well in real life. The victim's name was Karen. She's Louise. The other facts of the murder are all the same, but it leads to this kind of horror movie sequence where he lures her to the house because the job offer he gave to the two victims in Bellingham was come sit this house while the company I'm working for replaces the security system. And they show up and all the lights are off and nobody's there. And they're like, what's going on? Let's go to the basement. The electricity is even off. And he takes them down to the basement to find the uh, the breaker box to, or the fuse right. box or whatever to turn the power back on. And and that's where the murders happen. The murders happen. And those are the murders, as we know, which bring him, get him arrested in Bellingham. They don't address the fact that the chief of police in Bellingham was from L.A. and knew about the strangler killings. Somebody just makes the connection. The DA shows up and basically says, that's where you got the thing about Walla Walla State Prison we were talking about last week. It's from the movie. The DA says, Walla Walla is the toughest state prison in the country. In the world or whatever. Come down to California and testify against your cousin. Every advance in the case, this is a TV role. Every yeah. advance in the case and every new discovery and every big leap forward came from Richard Crenna. Like. Yeah. The, the connection of the crime in Bellingham, even though it had nothing to do with him and there was no way we'd even have known about it. Yeah. I, I'm convinced. I can't even tell you the scene. But he was at dinner and he said, well, what about that case? And what's wrong? That sounds like 
Yeah. Or wasn't there a Ken Bianchi or every, because that's always the rule in right. these TV shows. It's still kind of the rule. Like yeah. it has to be that character who makes the discovery mm -hmm. because that's your detective. So meanwhile, we did see a scene in which the task force was disbanded in LA because there were no more killings. They had gone quiet. And so he's yeah. God damn it. Higher ups. And then he shoots out it's a bunch protocol. of slides on the top of a building oh, at a God. restaurant, which was like, because that's okay. Let's talk about something more important than all of this. Do you think Richard Crenna is a good actor? I think I've seen Richard Crenna do stuff that's actually pretty creditable. But this wasn't. I it. don't think this is one of them. I yeah. don't think he did a bad job, but I don't think he had anything to work with. Yeah, totally. Like probably the sequence that came next of the two of them, he and his partner is also a well-known actor. Um, oh, who is his partner? Oh, for God's sake. Oh, I oh yeah, no, I'm um, um uh, Tony Plana. Tony Plana, yeah, Tony Plana's in everything, and he's like twelve in this. He's, oh yeah, he's, he's adorable. The, he's, his, he's his young yeah. sidekick. He's like twenty years old or something. Yeah. Um, when they went to witness the um, the 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 hypnosis and the revelation of right of Billy Zane's split personality thing, that was really. That was pretty funny. That, that was, was pretty funny. That was pretty well done. Like, oh, we forgot about the psychic. Oh, right, the German psychic. Out of nowhere, at the beginning of the movie, a German psychic shows up. He speaks no English. He says, I'm on the way. He says in German, and they translate, I'm on the way to San Diego to see my family, but I wanted to stop off and tell you, you're looking for two Italian brothers. And so that makes him so upset, he throws him out so of the get office. Get this guy out of here. What is that? Get this. And then it turns out, lo and behold, Bianca They're, they're and, not brothers, but, but they, they are call both themselves Italian. Blood, brothers, blood brothers. And you see that scene. Okay. So. But that's but that's entirely written in the script and has nothing to do However, with However, we did really have Detective happened. Lamberti, a real detective in our studio, saying, hey, we'll use anything. We'll use psychics if we can, you know. Yeah, so they, you know yeah, they talk to yeah. psychics. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, right. so yeah, that was, so that whole sequence was a little more interesting. And again, you kind of got to see what a buffoon Ken Bianchi must actually have been because they have Billy Zane do basically the same stuff. Like, they put him on the stand. He agrees to testify against Bono. Mm-hmm. Oh, and before <laughs> before we go any further, but this is only after um, Richard Crenna's new girlfriend, who he met when she came oh, in Jesus. to falsely report um, being the victim of a crime that was actually a crime by police officers, which they never tell her about because yeah. that would really have ruined the date. Um, mm -hmm. She becomes so interest, invested that she inserts herself into the investigation and shows up at Buana's upholstery shop while she knows it is under surveillance by the man she's dating. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at Facebook.com slash The Dinner Party Show. No, I meant in the car. Eric. Yes, Christopher? Have you been to my website lately? Why would I go to your website? You're sitting right here. Well, it's the place to find out all about my new books. Why would I go to your website for that? Again, you're sitting right here. All right. Well, for people who aren't right here, ChristopherRiceBooks.com is a great place to get information about my new releases. Which you'll give me copies of because I'm sitting right here. Yeah, maybe. But for those who aren't currently sitting in our studio on the Sunset Strip, check out my website, sign up for my mailing list, and check out all the posts on my blog where I talk smack about Eric Shaw Quinn. What smack? Shut up and read this new book I wrote. Fuck that and fuck ChristopherRiceBooks.com. This ad did not go as planned. This was an ad? <laughs> So she walks into the middle of this fucking investigation with knowledge that she absolutely should not have right. because she's his girlfriend, not his partner, his CO. Um, and I does everything that would have totally destroyed the investigation right. by 
having an interview with this criminal and her big takeaway was you couldn't tell. I looked into his eyes and I just couldn't tell. I And it's like completely wrecks her. Like that's what wrecks her. Like, I'm sorry, you put yourself into a, a, an upholstery shop with somebody who killed somebody for coming into his upholstery shop. Right. And your big takeaway is he seems just like every other body. Every, uh, and else. here's the thing that I felt about that scene is that there were two drafts of that script. And in one version, her character had lost a sister to the <laughs> to the killers. And they that scene was supposed to be motivated by that draft. But they forgot to leave out. The, <laughs> they forgot to make the drafts of the script match. Well, they ne- it didn't fit time. They because it was that. Why the hell is she doing this? If that's what you see that character do that when their loved one was murdered and they just can't wait. Right. You see that all the time. But she's just dating Richard <laughs> <laughs> and like, so she's so curious about it, she had to see for herself. Like, yeah. really, that's it? Like, she could have been that she had to see for herself that it but, was the guy who pulled her over, and it wasn't because he didn't tell her about who it really was because it was a yes, fucking vice, corrupt a vice cop. The thing that I was most intrigued by with that scene, or I think I felt the most safe, is that you knew nobody was going to be able to get her through her hair because it was so enormous she could have choked she them with really it. Had she had 1989 some, um, white lady hair. She was It was just everywhere. I mean, it was <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. Beverly D'Angelo coveted that hair. It was it was hair. amazing. It was amazing hair. Yeah, Shoulder was, length and longer. It um, was huge. And it went up eight feet. It was just amazing. It was quite something. Yeah. Okay. So after this, <laughs> we then wind up once they arrest Wano, we wind up at trial and Billy Zane is there because he's agreed as this moron to um <laughs> confess to the crimes in Bellingham and he takes a plea deal to testify against Wano, which mm-hmm. he then intentionally screws up on the stand, right. which is why the DA wants to drop out because he's being such a dimbot and a terrible witness on the stand. And they say to him, your plea deal is entirely contingent on you testifying against this guy credibly. If you don't do that, you the deal is off mm. and off with your head. You know what I mean? Like it's not going to play out well for you. So. And this felt like maybe it was factual, this part of it, because we know the legal moves from last week when we talked about we it. We know that he actually agreed to testify against him as a way to get out right. of Washington into California and to get the plea deal that he was. But he, but you actually have to do the thing that you set the deal with. Right. It's like a, um, a, a Trump campaign advisor <laughs> who believes that after you make the plea deal, you can just do and say whatever you want to. And it's like, right. it just doesn't work that way. No. That's not how plea deals work. No. Anyway, um, so yeah, since Trump wasn't available for, to work for, he then went a screwed his courage to the sticking place and <laughs> testified against um against uh, the what's the Kenneth Bianchi. I don't think I think Trump would have hired Kenneth Bianchi. He's a good guy. He's a, he's got a bad the rap. Best. He's, he's the, the best. best. Yeah, uh, yeah I think big. I can totally see him working for him. Any, okay. So so Okay, I'm just gonna give some backstory to our party people here. I said to Eric before we started recording this how are we going to get a fucking hour out of this movie? And he's like, just you watch. I can do it. That's why I got a lot to say He is taking control of this episode and we is driving it home. All right. Okay. I have to tell you, like, it was just like, it, it, it it became more and more preposterous. This is when the scene happened with him shooting. No, don't eat cranberries. Don't eat cranberries while we're doing my energy. You're on a mic. You're on a mic. Don't eat cranberries. If you want to save this episode, you got to stop confusing Dennis's and you got to stop eating cranberries. (laughs) I can do one or the other, but I cannot do both. (laughs) Absolutely. We're either going to talk about more Dennis's or I'm going to have some cranberries. No more Dennis's. No more cranberries. Um, Anyway, um, this was the sequence where Richard Crenna lost it because they- Yeah. They, the judge took the the DA said I can't prosecute this case in court, which I don't think is factually accurate. I don't think it is. But and then the judge said I'm going to take it under advisement. And then they went out and got drunk at some Italian place um, at yeah. Michelli's, and then <laughs> nothing in Glendale. They never ever ever show anything from Glendale in the entire movie. Can we take a minute to tell people about Glendale, our close personal savior, Beautiful. Glendale? Well, they have a Tony Romance. 
So Glendale is a nice suburban community. And a it great place to buy a car. North of Los Angeles, downtown LA is pretty close. So in terms of suburbs, you can commute to downtown if you work to down, downtown pretty easily. Yeah. It's hot. It's arid. It's inland. It's, it's right next to Pasadena. It's, and in between Pasadena and the San Fernando Valley. The Gay Men's Chorus would often perform over at there. At the Alex. At the Alex Theater in Glendale. It's a nice community. I think Carol Lombard, the actress, was in a terrible car accident with the son of the man who founded Glendale and had her face put back together and went on to have a career. Uh, you got So me. he did a great job. Yeah, yeah. She, it, horrible story. We'll cover it on a different podcast. But um, so the Glendale is its own place, I think is there's, what I'm saying. There's yeah. a skyline. Yeah, Glendale has a downtown. It is, you know? It's an actual, yeah, it is a pretty successful. Let's you know, hear it for Glendale. It's pretty great. That that bridge that they show all the time of uh, in That's LA. Pasadena. No, that bridge is Pasadena. It's Glendale Boulevard. No, well, I think Glendale Boulevard goes into Pasadena, but the bridge, the the yeah, that beautiful sort of antique. It's Glendale bridge. Boulevard. Yes, but it's in Pasadena. Okay, fine. We'll yeah. have that. We'll just yeah, it's we'll we'll have to check that out on a map. Fights about maps. Brought to you any, by the producers of Too Many Dennises. But in any case, but in any case, like there are some few little elements that you might, but. There was nothing in any of this to depict Glendale, which is where these crimes took place. <laughs> the Glendale shame. Maybe the Glendale Chamber of Commerce is Said like, no. Ixnay on this angler strain. Yeah. Like, no, let, no, make no, it look no, like no, LA. No, Everybody no, hates no. LA already. Let Glendale Leave have a break. Leave us out of it. Leave us off. <laughs> okay. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, so they went out to Magelli's um, and. <laughs> Then got, got drunk and went out and shot out the um the light the the lights because he was so upset. My about the favorite judge. part. Okay. And then you... they, then the judge rules in their favor. But let's go back to shooting out the lights. He shoots out the lights with his gun. Nobody's ears are ringing. Nobody flinches. They're standing three feet away from him. They and they're like, like, Sergeant, what's your face? Come on now. I hate You're it drunk. when he gets like this. I hate it when he fires when he his gun into and, the air. Yeah, yeah. And starts shooting people in a crowded public place. In what the, do you think this is? In the is? middle of a thriving metropolis. Yeah. New Year's. You think this is New Year's down here? Okay. So then the judge. I had a campaign when I first moved here yeah. about not firing your gun in the air on New Year's. It was a problem. It was a big problem. Anyway, because the bullets come back down, guys. If you fire your gun in the air, the bullet comes back down. So that's and true. And you don't know where. And it's not that's pleasant. That's true. That's true. Anyway. Okay. Okay, so then they go back in, and the judge rules in their favor, and then they don't appoint new lawyers. They don't show us anything else. We cut straight to conviction. Yeah. Because there were an hour and a half, time was up, and the next, the news was coming on. The but nightly the trial news. took two years. The trial took two years and included the detail that a crazy woman named Veronica Compton became Ken Bianchi's girlfriend and tried to kill someone else and make it look like it was a strangler killing using fake semen, or real semen, that he'd given her from prison. <laughs> like, none of this is in the nightly movie. No, it was all left This'll out. This will be in the Netflix series they I do someday. I guess so. It was yeah. just like, wow, this seems like a much richer part of the story, but it didn't support the romance storyline between Richard Crenna and right. JD. So, um, yeah. so yeah, so that was over. And yeah. then he, once the verdict comes in, he goes to call JD because for some reason she's not in the courtroom, even though she's been there for everything else. Every scene And he calls his all. daughter and it turns out that they still love you, daddy. And that's the end of the movie. And the way movies ended, uh, TV movies ended, was with an awkward freeze frame and then a shitty still of downtown L.A. with credits flashing. And because you're now watching this on a giant TV with higher visual quality, it looks like something a child put together on their avid computer right. program it's today. like I've seen better yeah. edited YouTube videos. But that showed the thing. And it claimed that J.D. and Richard Crenna's character were still together, but don't we don't believe that. either of them actually existed, so it's really hard to prove that. Yeah. But it did say that what's-his-name Bono died of a heart attack in 2002, which is pretty sizable no, period. No, it, and- it doesn't say that because it was made in 1989. <laughs> they would have to. It was the previous special. Oh, that's- <laughs> they didn't say that they it did. They didn't say we're pretty sure Bruno will die of a heart attack in 2002. <laughs> they said he we're was in prison. That's yeah. it. They said he was in prison. That's your right. You're right. Wrong special. And then they said they were still together. But right. they, they went off for, for um okay, so, to prison. So there you are. There you are. Here's my question for you, Eric Sharkwin. If you were going to, based on what we learned last week in the True Crime TV Club about this case, if you were going to do a movie or a TV series about it, what would your angle of approach be today if you could make it? The trial. 
The trial, right. Yeah. Because that gives you a way to flash back to all of the details of the story, to meet all of the people in play, to see how it played out in court and how you got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's what I would, that's, I just think it's the only way to tell this story because otherwise you're faced with their issue of right. how, are we going to go backstage with these horrible and bumbling moron killers? I'll tell killers, you, people or? did. There are movies out there and they look like low budget torture porn horror movies and I wasn't interested in watching any of them. See, Thomas Howell is in one and it was like, yeah, I'm not going to, I saw the, it was just, and it looks sadistic and, and just gross out horror stuff. I'm sorry, there were other movies about this crime? Yeah, there was one. There was one with oh, okay. C. Thomas Howell that looked like it was made in the backyard okay, of I'm going to have to watch the trailer before I fully let you off the hook. But, <laughs> but I just assumed this was it. I think it's that and the C. Thomas Howell His one. His eyes are darting all over the place. Well, no. I'm not prepared to Steele, answer further questions. I'd like the judge to appoint a new prosecutor Christopher in this opened this session by saying, I'm really sorry about this movie. I'll I say really in advance. I know we, don't we have a rule about not talking about we with don't. each other, yeah. we do not talk to each other until we're on we're on mic, so that yeah. you all get our first blush on any of this. Yeah. But, but he did say in violation of our. I said I'm really sorry, but I waited. I was going to text you yesterday afternoon when I was watching it, and I waited until today, and I was like, no, I'm really sorry. Yeah, and I'd already watched it. I watched this the first night to get it. Out I watched of the way. I watched the Donnie Wahlberg thing and then this together that first night, and yeah. it was like. I started watching it, and it was late, and it was like, I'm just going to bed. And it was like, oh, no, I am not watching more of this tomorrow. I am getting this shit over with. We are going to stay up and watch this fucking thing because I am not watching this for two days. Absolutely. No, no, no. no. We are finishing this up tonight. Nothing's going to happen. I don't have to pay very strict attention. I can tell you what they're going to say next. Right. This is very simplistic script writing. Yeah. I hope it wasn't written by, it'll turn out it was written by somebody we know. Our good, close personal friend. No, I think I looked them up and I don't know. They're probably dead now. It was forever ago. 1989. Let's just just stop with rationalizations about people we don't know who they are. (laughs) It could turn out we know. Who but are, who remembers 1989? Who turned out to be something great. Somebody who who even remembers the 80s these days? You, I do. You do. I remember. You do. We I remember want, thinking, did we watch this on we TV? We once won a, 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 a 1980s Trivial Pursuit party oh, yeah. by answering absolutely every single question correctly. Well, every single pop culture question correctly, right? Wasn't that we it? We answered every single yeah. question we were asked correctly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 80s? Because it was the 80s, and we knew what it was. We knew all of the answers. And I mean, just people were like, because I think in, you keep getting turns in that game until you miss yeah. one. right. We just won the game. We yeah. just... Swept the board. What if they had, do they have a true crime trivial pursuit? Because that would really, I would win. Ooh, that would be great. Do they still have trivial pursuit? Almost, um, I don't know. I don't know if they do have trivial pursuit. Little pie pieces seem like something that's kind of choking hazard that's gone out of Uh, fashion. Everybody's sick of kids. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Got tons of kids. (laughs) Christopher and Eric's true crime trivial pursuit. Mm. 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 I think I've got to write that down. That yes, sounds like absolutely. a million dollar idea. Um, okay, so <laughs> become the face of of a product that nobody has bought for twenty five years. <laughs> All right, but let's bring it in for a landing. Let's bring it in. Buy our books. Buy our books. Buy our books. Um, we have not decided yet what region of the country is going to... just it. <laughs> what? We have no idea what we're doing. We have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> Any two people who think they could do a podcast about a TV movie from the... Although, I have to say, depending on response to this, maybe this is our jam. Maybe we should just do TV movies from the 80s. <laughs> we should have a separate podcast. Christopher and Eric's True TV Movie 1980... 1980s TV Movie Club. Right? I, it, could be, it could be a thing. This was yeah. quite something, and I, you know, I don't know that they would. It would be interesting to see if anybody did something, a creditable job, because it was a lot to overcome in the time period. I'll tell you. The visual, as you talked about it, the, the visual process, the tiny screens, the terrible video, the low line count, the lack of budget, and then the strictures of being on broadcast television. That's a TV lot. TV at and the time. This was, this is Chris's modern culture and media class at Brown University raises its head that TV at the time was actually designed primarily to be an audio medium 
because they were convinced you were about to walk away from the set at any given time and it was about bringing you back. And if you watch TV from that era and stop watching it and you just listen, it's like being yelled at over and over and over. Don't leave. Don't leave. No, look what we're doing now. Don't leave. Come back. Look, Baladent. A body, a dead crime. But I have to say, a dead mind. A dead crime. A dead mind. A dead mind. I I have to say, we're finally going to get rid of all the mimes, just like you wanted. Some clown. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. I really think if the information is people, that we're concerned that people are getting ready to walk away from our show at any time, you might try doing a better job. Well, eventually they did. That was the long arc of television. Right. They decided but, we should do a better job of this. Maybe that would keep people watching. But it was than... just this tin box shouting at you from the corner of your kitchen while you yelled at the kids and everybody had dinner and people debated about turning it off and nobody could. I mean, that was the thing. But, okay. So we have regions of the country left to do on our true crime movie oh, time summer that. film festival. Yes. So we can either do the Midwest next, the Pacific Northwest next, the South next, or the East Coast next. What do you want to do next? Do you want to decide now while our party people are listening? I think in? that could be fun. Should we ask the party people? No. No. No, we should just decide now. Because that would too, be it's too much pressure. Tempor- well, it would be temporarily difficult because. The production, when we ask them and getting yes. into production, we need to make decisions about Absolutely. what shows to do. Well, we've done kind of Pacific Northwest and California right now. Okay. I like that we're a whole region. So I would say- Well, wait I would a minute. Go, wait. We're already arguing. Pacific North. I, I want to- We're still going to do Pacific Northwest, yeah. but we don't have to do it. Okay. I'm saying we don't want to do it right now. Yeah. I would go New York. I would go the opposite. Okay. We'll the do, Northeast. We'll do East Coast Carnage. East Coast Carnage. So next month, and then the next month of episodes will be East Coast Carnage. I think Excellent. that sounds like a way to go. And we will we will be back soon to tell you what we're going to be doing, which crimes we have selected for our pairings or on the we'll East Coast. Or we'll do something else because we forgot that we said this Or on we the will show. have forgotten this. <laughs> every podcaster, every podcast I listen to, they have this moment of like, co-hosts saying to each other, oh my God, we promised so many like different things that we've never done. I was listening Keep to one of our old episodes and we promised to give away a car and I don't even know where the car is now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where we parked. Yeah. All right. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. God, that sounds ominous. Right. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm trying to sound like Richard Crenna's girlfriend from this show. <laughs> Who was the one with the deep voice on this show? <laughs> Absolutely. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks. This is TDPS.